I wonder if women in my community would be interested in using their purchasing power for good. And so at my 30th birthday, a few days later, I told all my best friends around the table that I was quitting my job. I had found this truck on Craigslist in Western North Carolina that I was going to buy. It was an old CentOS uniform delivery truck and that I was going to buy that and convert that to a little boutique on wheels that I would call the Flourish Market where every product had a bigger purpose. And I did in October of 2015. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the five-hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is Emily Sexton, the founder and CEO of The Flourish Market, a shop where every product has a bigger purpose, just like you. And purpose is much of what we chat about today. Emily shares with us how we can craft the mission and message of our own businesses. And I think this is critical in communicating effectively about the value in what we do. If you're not familiar with The Flourish Market, go and check it out as soon as you're done listening to this episode. I think as you'll find out in the episode, it is a very interesting story. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And I want to hear from you. Let me know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands That Book podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davian Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Or you can DM us on Instagram at Davian Krista. Now, on to the episode. I've got Emily Sexton here with me today on the Brands That Book podcast. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Davey, thanks for having me. And thank you for not judging my Christmas tree that's in the background <laughs> of our video stream here. <laughs> and we just went through this. I'm actually all in. I just walked in from the gym, so I'm in sweats too. So I feel like a mess on both ends. Hey, people like the real, Davey. People like the real. You guys, it's not January 1st when we're recording this. Um, and my tree is still up. And you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, that's why we record just the audio, you know? So, <laughs> it's true, it's true. so I can sit here I and mean, sweat. I have professional hair makeup done right now from a photo shoot this morning. So this is the best I've ever looked when I've actually been recording podcasts. <laughs> well, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to chat. We actually met years ago at a wedding. So small world, right? We did. You and Krista photographed my very best friend's wedding. Quick update, her daughter just turned three and she is due Monday with her second. So all is well, even though we had ripped bridesmaids dresses and there were a couple of snafus in the day, there was an ice storm. So that is an update. The sheep family is doing well. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, glad to hear that. And Emily, I was just chatting with you about how I should introduce you because you have so many different things going on. But for those of you listening, Emily is the founder and CEO of The Flourish Market. So I'm going to kick it over to you. Tell us a little bit about The Flourish Market and your other brands because I know you have so much going on even beyond that. And today we're going to be talking about nailing down your mission and your messaging around that mission, which I think is a super important topic for business owners, especially small business owners. It feels like one of those big business tasks to do. 
but I think everybody should go through a process like this. So Emily, I'm going to kick it over to you. We make time at the beginning of every episode to hear a little bit about our guest entrepreneurial journey. So we'd love to hear about how you got started. All right, let's do this thing. So I am sitting here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I live, and I actually grew up in North Carolina, in eastern North Carolina, and I had dreams of just busting out of that small town. So I originally, and I'm not even kidding, I originally went to college on a full dance scholarship with the one and only dream to be Britney Spears' backup dancer. That was what I was going to do with my life. I was really good in dance. I was smart in school, but dance was like where I felt like I could just like let loose and be free. Unfortunately, or very fortunately, my freshman year of college at Elon University, I actually got hurt and I couldn't dance anymore. I mean, thank God. I literally like thank God for that all the time. <laughs> literally thank him. Um, and I was put up with this like existential crisis of who am I and what am I going to do with my life now? Because I was feeling like a rebel, right? I'm going to be Britney Spears backup dancer. I'm just going to go on tour and see the world. And I really just didn't know what to do. And what's interesting is that wouldn't be the last time I had an existential crisis. So I ended up majoring in business just because that was the biggest major at my school. And I fell into a job right out of college working for a Swiss investment bank. Now that was 2007. And then the crash happened in 2008. But what's crazy is I somehow didn't get laid off as this young little whippersnapper. I ended up getting moved to London. And for the next eight years, I would live and work all over the world. So I was based in London. I got to work in Switzerland, across Asia, India, New York City. And my job when I left the bank, spoiler alert, I did leave after eight years. I was the vice president of communications and change management. So what this meant was I was tasked with winning people over. I needed to help them get from point A to point B. And normally, so it was a 55,000 person bank, normally point B was viewed by senior management as a crappy change. So I was just in charge of leading them through this change, trying not to get them to quit, and not only keeping them happy, but teaching them how to lead change and lead their whole teams through it. And so What's cool is in corporate is that I got um, to master this skill set of helping people like create change in their lives. And I loved it and got to, you know, hone my communication skills. What's interesting is when I was in college, several professors told me I just wasn't a great writer. I wasn't a good communicator. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to study this and learn this and get really good at it. And I did. I worked really hard. I was in a big company that just put me through really incredible trainings for sure. But what here is where existential crisis number two of my life came. And I know some listeners might be sitting in this and might be not full-time in their entrepreneurial journey right now. And so they might still be full-time in corporate like I was. And, and here's what was happening. So when I lived in London, over there, you get six to eight weeks vacation. Amazing. At Shop America, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but I spent a lot of that time volunteering in the developing world, using the skill set I was honing in corporate to help nonprofits and social enterprises win people over to their fundraising efforts and win people over to buy their fairly made products. So I fell in love with it. 
And it all started by a friend of a friend asking me if I could help her friend that had just moved to Africa and was supporting local leaders there and basically being a fundraising arm to get them the needed money they need to keep driving change in their community. And she was like, she's supposed to be tasked with doing an email campaign. And I don't know what you do, Emily, but at the bottom of your title, it says VP of Communications and Change Management. So maybe you know how to write an email. Can you help her? And that, yes, changed everything. It opened me up to how I could use my skill set for a bigger impact and a bigger mission. And uh, it, it helped me to see the power in the, the gifts that I had been given while here on earth. Shortly before my 30th birthday, I moved home to Raleigh, North Carolina at this point. I was obsessed with the tiny house shows at the time. Davey, have you ever seen these shows? I have. And, you know, I love a tiny house, but you could never do it. <laughs> that is my thing. I, I would watch these shows and be like, infatuated with like, how do these people like give up all their things and move into this tiny house? So I was watching the show and I was feeling this like, okay, I feel called away from my corporate job, even though I loved it. And I love the people I worked with. I felt very lucky, but felt called away from that, but knew where I was called to was something where I, I could not figure out how to make money from it. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I just need to go off grid for a year and build a tiny house and then to heck with the internet and just like go off grid. And if you know me, like this is my worst nightmare. My friends laugh to this day of me telling the story, but I was on Pinterest one night late, very late, after watching a tiny house show and pinning just a ton, I was like pinning my board of what my tiny house would look like. You know, this was at the height of Pinterest several years ago, five years ago. <laughs> and all of a sudden, as I searched for tiny houses, this photo of something I'd never seen before came up. And it was a photo of what was called a fashion truck. And I, Davey, I'd never seen a fashion truck. And I was like, what the heck is this? And, I don't think I've ever seen a fashion truck. Okay, well, let me uh, <laughs> let me explain for you. It looks like a food truck, but there's no window in the side. You actually open the back doors. You pull steps down, and people walk on and shop a mini boutique. This was July 2015, and I was about to turn 30. And, Davey, I, that's when it hit me. Oh, my gosh. When I go and travel, my friends are always placing orders. They're like, can you bring me back a necklace? Can you bring me back a pair of shoes or a dress or a leather bag like you bought for yourself last time? I mean, Davey, to be honest, offline, off the record, which is technically <laughs> on the record. I was an illegal importer, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> you know, like taking all these orders and bringing people back and back things. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is how it could all come together. What if I bought a bought a truck, converted it to a fashion truck? and carry the items of these social enterprises I've been working with. Like, what would that look like? I wonder if women in my community would be interested in using their purchasing power for good. And so at my 30th birthday, a few days later, I told all my best friends around the table that I was quitting my job. I had found this truck on Craigslist in Western North Carolina that I was going to buy. It was an old CentOS uniform delivery truck and that I was going to buy that and convert that to a little boutique on wheels. I would call the Flourish Market where every product had a bigger purpose. And I did in October of 2015. I launched the Flourish Market as a fashion truck. I carried 10 brands at the time. You'd walk in little mini boutique on wheels and gradually you'd start to read the cards attached to the products and realize like, wow, a real person made this that's overcome something absolutely extraordinary. Maybe domestic violence, maybe sex trafficking, maybe extreme poverty because of the cards they were handed in life. And 
it, it took off. And in November of 2016, we opened our first brick and mortar store. And on Black Friday, we had no deals. Who does that? I do. I didn't really think that through. <laughs> but I was like, well, people come and people came and they've never stopped coming. I think that boils down to something we'll talk about today. That is having a really, really strong mission statement. And if you're sitting there thinking, my products don't have a bigger purpose. My service doesn't have a bigger purpose. Do not worry, friend. We're going to talk that through because yes, <laughs> it does. And you have a bigger purpose. But yeah, we've just grown since then. We, I will probably only always have one store. We just moved it last year, last summer to a bigger space where we tripled the size of our footprint. So now we carry 62 brands. It's a women's and gifts boutique. So you walk in and it looks like any other boutique, but you start to look at the tags just like people did in our fashion truck. And you're like, oh my gosh, this top was made by a woman who was rescued from sex trafficking in Nepal. And she's now this like incredible leader in her community. And oh my gosh, this bag was made by a woman who's actively fighting the HIV stigma in Ethiopia. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, this cute toy that I'm going to give to my friend for her baby shower was made by a refugee mama restarting her life. Everything, every product has a bigger purpose. With that move, this is where it gets into your like, you do several things. <laughs> With that move, the back third of our space, uh, it was too big of a space to uh, just do a shop in. And so I now use the back third of that space. I have a co-working space for 60 female entrepreneurs in my city. So super fun. It's called The Locality. And I rolled that out just in because I looked at what worked for women in the developing world. I had worked with over the years and just looking at how they model life and business so well, and they do it in community. And so I'm like, excuse me, all of you entrepreneurs sitting in your homes and coffee shops, not talking to anyone but your cat, like, let's pull you out of your home. Let's put you all together and let's see what happens. And it's been amazing. We've been up and running for seven months now. It's not just a co-working space. It's also an incubator. They get lots of training, free legal and accounting support. It's just truly been my life's work. And then the third piece to my business is my personal brand. I know many people listening have a personal brand. I know Davey, you and Krista do as well. I'm so passionate about helping women create change and come alive. And that informs everything that I do. It's my corporate roots, you guys, helping people create change. So I speak a lot, fly around the U.S. and the world to speak. I'm in the middle of writing my book. I lead retreats. I coach entrepreneurs. It's my life's work. It's my life's calling. Wow. And it's cool because I feel like the way it all fits together is I've watched the women behind our products at the Flourish Market create incredible change in their life and come alive in their purpose. And so I get so excited to help women in my community and women, uh, you know, here in America do the same in their life as well. Awesome. And I think one thing that's super apparent just as you go through each of those different brands and, you know, again, I feel like for those of you wondering, Davey, why wasn't it easy to introduce them? I mean, I think that's, I think that is, uh, that <laughs> kind of sums it up right there. But with that said, there is so much clarity around each of the things that you talk about. You know, so I'm excited to dive in and talk about that a little bit because everything that you just mentioned, I mean, from the flourish market where every product has a purpose to your personal brand creating change. I mean, everything just very. You caught them, Davey. Good yeah. job. And you guys, I did not tee up Davey for that. <laughs> but e them. everything, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, that have a lot going on. But 
there's often this disconnect in how they, you know, hey, so what do you do? And then you, and then you hear they kind of stumble and fumble through all this stuff, right? And you're, everything that you've described is just described so particularly. So I'm excited to dive into that. Before we do, just out of curiosity, I want to know how do you source each of the lines of products that you get for the flourish market. So, you know, how do you get connect with this mom who's restarting her life in a refugee camp? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for this question. Thanks for caring. I always get excited when people ask questions. So lucky for me, the work that I did those eight years in volunteering my time, even while I was in corporate, built really strong relationships. So I was on the ground with these people. I saw the work that they were doing. And a lot of people ask me, like, how do you know you can trust them? And I'm like, you have the question wrong. They have been burned by so many people that come from America or wherever it is who say they're going to help or act interested. And maybe they truly are interested and then they get ghosted or worse, totally burned. So the Mm. question is, how and why should they trust me? So over those eight years, I was able to establish those trusted relationships without asking anything in return. It was just like, wow, you're doing this incredible work. Like, can I just like sit at your feet and learn and support you the best I can? And then now, like I have a way to support even in, even further by buying their goods. And so what that looks like is the essence of fair trade. And I don't use those words and lead with those words with my business because a lot of times it can sure. make people like feel bad about other things in their closet that aren't fair trade and aren't ethical. Whereas when I lead with every product has a bigger purpose, that's inviting them into a positive story. But basically the how the exchange works is that our artisan partner groups, they come with line sheets, photos of their products, and they say, you can buy it at this and you can sell it at this price. So we have a lot lower margins than other boutiques would because they're mm. telling us what they're, we're going to pay for it and what we're going to sell it at. And so that's what the relationship looks like. And we have gone from 10 brands to 62 because I've traveled more, I've met more people, but also people vouching for me and saying, you can trust Emily, you can trust the flourish market. And that goes a long way. And to answer people's first question, they normally ask, which is how can you trust them? And I get the question, how can you trust the work that they're doing is good? Well, I've either been on the ground there in person or a very close person in my network has been on the ground in person and acknowledged that dignity is the thread that weaves through everything. Mm -hmm. And there's not some weird like power structure that's in place on purpose. So yeah, I hope that is a helpful answer to your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably uh, crafting your message is so important on so many different levels, but even from a business perspective, having lower margins because of what you're doing, you know, people can't walk in on a Black Friday sale and expect things to be half off or 75% off, right? 70% off. Yeah, no, (laughs) we would go under. We would totally go under. Davey, I wanted to pick up something you said earlier. You said, for a lot of us, when people ask us what we do, we might fumble through it. And then you mentioned like, I've nailed it. And I want to say, before we dive into any tips or tricks and me walking you through this, let me be very clear. The girl who nailed this in corporate, VP of communications and change management, when I opened the flourish market, let me tell you what my pitch was. Okay. It was horrible. And I couldn't figure it out, you guys. So just to be like very transparent, I want you to know, like I've learned this in real time in my business. So people would walk in our fashion truck and they would say like, oh my gosh, they start to notice the cars. And like, yes. So everything's like fair trade, ethically made. We pay a good wage or, you know, we work through these artists and partners and they're in Ethiopia. They're also in Nepal. I mean, that's an exaggeration of like how I would say it. But I too was at a loss for words with how to properly position 
what we were doing without like a white savior complex. And so it's been very hard. It's not been easy. I didn't have this nailed down right when I started. And I'm going to tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, you may not hang up from this podcast. Hang up. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is this? The 1990s when we use phone wall, phones on the wall. Um, you may not in this podcast and say, that's it. Those are my five words and I've nailed it. But what I've found as we keep in mind kind of our greater purpose, our greater mission, we can tease that out as we go and like have that in mind. So that's kind of my preface of like, I haven't always lived this. And I feel like in the last couple of you really nailed it. So if you're struggling to do that, I will definitely give you some helpful tips today. But know that if you leave this podcast episode and you're like, I'm still stuck, I'll give you some tips if you're still stuck as well. Yeah, awesome. And I think something that I try to communicate through the podcast and so many of my guests have is a similar sentiment that, you know, you're going to get there by practicing, you know, and just by uh, getting out there and doing it and saying it over and yes. over and over again until you get to something that, that works. But fortunately, we also have amazing guests like yourself on who can help us maybe get there a little bit more quickly. So I'm going to start with really just why a mission statement is important. I think some people might be thinking, okay, well, you know, with the flourish market, the reason a mission or the mission statement may be even what makes it so special to a certain extent. It's sort of a, there's a philanthropy aspect to it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Jeez. You know, so, so it kind of, maybe it makes sense, but for somebody running, you know, let's say a photography studio who, who, who's a planner or a designer, what makes a mission statement important? Absolutely. Well, For those of us with a background in corporate or maybe that at any point just worked a job, even at a coffee house, wherever it was, that was not what we currently do as an entrepreneur. And in training, like on that first day, you're like shown the mission statement. Can we just all agree that might be why we are not wanting to do one for our own business? They're clunky. I couldn't tell you what the mission statement was for my old corporate (laughs) job. I remember like very formal language, three to four sentences, and it just didn't like, it didn't really hit a chord with me. You know, it didn't like feel attached to an emotion, right? And so I think many of us steer away because they seem too formal for something that's so personal for those of us in the service industry. Okay, so here's my sales pitch for a mission statement. And I have like just a couple of points here in hoping to win people over that they keep listening. But my first question that I always, you know, ask people is, wouldn't it feel so dang good to wake up and while you're working, know what your guiding light is, to know what your guiding light is. So, so many of us, you know, we're running on this hamster wheel each day. We're doing the thing. We're putting ourselves out there. We're taking the risk. We're making the goals. We're hitting the goals. But for what? Yeah. And so for you have a mission statement for each of the brands that you've created. Did you sit down and work on this intentionally? Or is this something that came after sort of years of doing it? What did that look like? So this came for me for the Flourish Markets. Mine came more easily for my personal brand. For the Flourish Market, though, it came from this conundrum that I realized three to four months in that I thought I had started the flourish market to be very pro artisan and to send jobs to the developing world. So actually our first kind of statement we tell people was your purchases help create dignity across the globe. However, that's bigger words. People are like, what does that mean? And I found, and, and another important thing in having a mission statement is that if you want to create walking billboards for your business and get referrals, You have to be able to easily articulate what your business is about so that your clients 
can then go out and easily say it. Mm. So it came from this conundrum of I'd overhear people telling people, it's really cool. And I'd be standing there and they're like, it's this and then this and then this. And they'd be like, Emily, could you explain a little more? (laughs) And I realized I couldn't. And so it was really hard. So it was that wrestling. But then it was also the wrestling of, hey, yo, I'm thinking like all these women in the developing world need my help. Hello, that's like totally like white saviorism. And I'm looking in my own community and it seems like the women in my own community, they are struggling. Like maybe they need purpose in their lives. And it came after launching a two question survey to our tribe and saying, what was lacking most in your life last year? And then the second question was, how can we like help serve that, serve you? And you know, shocker, no one put an olive bomber jacket was the biggest thing missing from my life. No, they said lack of purpose. And so that's when it hit me. Okay, our new mission, like the statement we're going to tell people is every product has a bigger purpose, just like you. And so our mission actually has nothing to do with the women behind our products. It is to help women in our community who shop with us, lean into and own their purpose in the world. Okay. So anytime they interact with us, so say they buy a product. Okay. Yeah. We hope that they can see that provided three hours of work, that necklace they're gifting to their, their friend that provided three hours of work for a woman in Uganda. And what's cool is it's, we've seen like that snowball into other areas of their life where they're like, yes, I'm going to own my time and my money and where I spend it and all of that. And then that goes into all the programming that we do at the shop. So we, we talk about people's purposes. We interview people. It's like a podcast, but in person, we do know your purpose yoga. So it's like you come and do a yoga class and you journal. Some things are disguised under different words of like, you know, worth and fulfillment and meaning and all of that. But all the programming we do around our shop, it's aimed at helping like own the freaking purpose um, because the woman we serve, who we find favor with is a woman who feels like if she died, if she left the world, like maybe no one would even notice that much after a month or so. And that's sad. And I want her to lean in and see like when you shop with us, you've made an impact. And even more so, you are called to create an impact in this world and you already are. Let's just define how you're already doing that and help you do more of it. Just like you. Yeah. And what I really appreciate about that mission statement is that, you know, final part of the sentence there, just like you. I think that's such a key component. I mean, I liked it before, you know, but still, you know, that just like you, uh, I think really drives it home. And then also just invites people in, in a way that maybe just every product having a bigger purpose doesn't, you know? So I really, really like that. And the women who shop with us, they will not do anything for themselves. They have small children and some of them like their children have gone to school and now they're feeling like, okay, what's my purpose in life? Like, how do I spend my days? And they don't believe the just like you part. Mm. They don't, but they'll come and shop with us because they're like, well, I'm going to do it for another woman. I'm going to help support another woman. And in time we can intercede in that thought pattern and really serve them in a way that's in line with our mission that helps them lean into and own their purpose. Yeah. And I hope people can uh, listening. Uh, I certainly see it just the ways in which it influences everything else that you do, even if it's not directly related to selling your products. So, so powerful there. And I think, again, just speaks to the value of working this out for your own business. What should a mission statement consist of and how do people go about defining that? Sure. Okay. 
So I'm going to simplify this and demystify it. There's one thing I'm known for. It's like, Emily's like a no crap (laughs) person. (laughs) And so I'm going to give you a few questions to think about. And I want you to know at the end, I'm going to give you a landing page on my website where you can go and look at these questions. So most likely you're driving or maybe you're editing photos as you listen. Don't feel like you have to write these down, but you'll have a place where you can find these. But I want to simplify this and ask you a few questions that'll get you thinking about your mission. Okay. So I do not care what you're selling to Davey's point. Yes, we have a philanthropic effort to our business, but in my personal brand, I don't, I could say I'm a speaker, I'm a coach and I lead retreats. So do a bajillion other women around the world. Okay. So I still have a bigger purpose. I help women create change and come alive. That is my specific mission. So I don't care what you're selling, but I want you to think about how are you showing up and serving your customers in a bigger way? Okay. How are you showing up and serving your customers in a bigger way? Next question. What is your story of positive impact? What is your story of positive impact? Now these breadcrumbs and clues can link into client reviews. It can lead into the Instagram. You can see them in the Instagram posts that they post about you. But basically your story of positive impact is how you build goodwill For some of you, you have no idea you're going to do this, but it's how you build goodwill with your customers and serve their deeper needs. You serve their deeper needs, okay? So here's the truth, you guys. People want to be a part of something positive. I mean, have you watched the news lately, you guys? (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. It's a dumpster fire out there. Sometimes they're all the time, and it's tough, okay? There's a lot of things going on, and so many people deeply desire to be like not paralyzed in the toughness of the world and they want to know where to start and doing good. And so as business owners, we have this awesome opportunity to invite them to have the easy ability to be a part of something that's good and bigger has a bigger mission in the world. And so your customers, they want to be a part of something that's fulfilling and meaningful for you. They want to help you with that. We just have to make it attainable and communicate that well. And Before you start thinking, you know, again, like I'm having a hard time finding my positive impact in my business, you definitely have one. So a tip I want to give there is how we're showing up and serving our customers needs in a bigger way more times than not is how we're already showing up and serving our friends and our loved ones around us in a bigger way. So if you are stuck, one of the best tips I can give you is to ask your five best friends, Mm. or maybe that's your mom and then your sister and then your best friend from growing up and then your business bestie today, like pull from people from different walks of your life and ask them, how do you see me showing up in the world and serving people? How do you see me loving people well? And I promise you there will be themes. Yeah, There will be themes. And I did this when I was looking at launching my personal brand. And the theme of the five, four out of the five said, Emily, you help people make great changes in their lives. And another theme was when we're around you, like we just feel like really alive. Like we, we feel like and those were the themes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is me. So if you're feeling stuck and you feel like I can't even journal anything in response to those questions, Emily, reach out to your friends and see what they've been bearing witness to this whole time that you've missed. 
Yeah. And I imagine that it's just the act of journaling. I think something that maybe, and maybe I'm just projecting a struggle that I have onto others, but it's, it's writing those first initial sentences, you know, yeah. uh, and just eventually after, you know, what you might write might be a jumbled mess of 10 pages or, or whatever, but just getting it out and then going from there and refining it a little bit, I think is super helpful. And I think sometimes I, when I'm trying to sort something out like this, which again, a mission statement is powerful. And so I think when you hear a really good one, you can think to yourself, okay, like, how am I going to come up with something that's like as powerful as that? I think what people have to realize is that oftentimes we get there by doing the hard work of going through pages of journaling or having these tough conversations with friends where we really try to get out, okay, what positive change am I impacting in the world? So if you do just feel overwhelmed by any of this, just give it a shot. Absolutely. Because we don't start with like, I'm not never going to give you, and I'm sure there's other resources out there that will, but like a fill in the blank yeah, for a yeah. statement. Absolutely. That like gives me the heebie jeebies because it's not a one size fits all. I'll give you some other questions you can journal about because the thing is you don't start at the mission statement. And I want you to journal with pen and paper because it uses a different part of your brain that brings out creativity and truth. So when you think about it, like, what do I bring to the world? Okay. What do I bring to the world? What is my legacy here on earth? Mm. What am I here for? What is my legacy here on earth? And I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And so one of those questions for me is like, what is my calling? What is God calling me uniquely to do and show up? How is he calling me uniquely to show up in people's lives? Another thing I love thinking about is who do I find favor with? Who do I find favor with? And so when I initially answered that for myself, it was women who are paralyzed and stuck. They absolutely need a change in their life and they're too fearful. That helps me get to, I want to help, I help women create change. For those listening, if you're wondering why I'm not asking maybe as many questions as I typically do is because I have a page full of notes. So I'm, (laughs) I'm frantically writing down as Emily's speaking, but there, I do have sort of a follow-up question from that. You mentioned you're a Christian. I think people Mm -hmm. who listen to the podcast probably know that I am as well. You know, I think that's probably going to be, or I would assume that it's a driving force behind the mission statements that you've created for your different brands. Mm-hmm. For Chris and I, it is as well. For other people who are, you know, also Christians, turning the corner between some internal language, like when Chris and I and our team speak about our mission and why we do what we do, we'll use language that we won't necessarily use on Instagram or Facebook. Not because we're ashamed of the gospel, but because we do want to connect with people. That's and right. sometimes if you lead with that kind of stuff, And again, it's not like, oh, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings by talking about this. That's not necessarily what I'm trying to say. But I do think that there's, you know, for instance, every product has a bigger purpose just like you. Mm -hmm. There's a very Christian sentiment in there, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So how do you get to turning the corner, being able to articulate your mission statement with a sentence or a few sentences like that, that don't necessarily cause people to shut their doors right away because they're like, oh, that's religious and it's not for me. Absolutely. I love this question. I told David at the beginning before he pressed record, like, ask me anything, David. There's no question. That's good. You know, and if you hadn't said that, I probably wouldn't have asked, but, uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad we're having this conversation. Hey, look, my friend, Jess Connolly recently released a book called You Are the Girl for the Job. Grab it, read it, hashtag not sponsored. I just love Jess. And she opens, I think this is the opening of her book, talking about a soul cycle class that she went to in LA when she was in a dark, dark place, okay? 
lots of stuff had just happened. She talks about it in her book. Go grab it, read it. It's amazing. Also, if you're not a woman, if you're not a female, also read it. I've given it to a couple of men in my life as recommendations to understand women a little bit more. But she talks about how like... (laughs) Jess, if you're listening, I hope I phrase this correctly as your spokesperson is your non-appointed spokesperson. <laughs> but she's, it was so good for me to read because she was basically making the point of like, God was in that room. Maybe that, that, maybe that spin cycle instructor was not a Christian and preaching the gospel, but she felt the gospel. She received it in that spin class and she could not think of the last time like she had been like that amped up. And she talks about like, as churches, are we doing that? Are we doing that as people who are doing kingdom work? Are we doing that? And here's the thing, Davey, for us and why. And I don't think that you should remove all Christian wording from your websites and anything. Here's why it's not on mine. Two reasons. One, 80% of the people I would say that shop with us or follow me online or come to my retreats are not believers. And two, I have been extremely burned by the church and Christians, Mm -hmm. like big T trauma. So because of that, for me personally, I am like, if I truly am here to show God's love to people and invite them into the ultimate invite, I can tell you what's not going to do that for my people is an Instagram byline or something on my website, not even a video. Like intentional relationships of showing up and loving on people is going to do that. Now, all my staff are Christians. We view like internally, like the same as you and Crystal, we talk about our kingdom work. You know, many of the things that are our goals internally, you know, we make meaningful connections. We show up in love and kindness. We listen and listen well. And these are things Jesus did. I just look back and think like, okay, you know, cause people will call me out. It's so funny. I never get really salty messages except from Christian women. And I'm like, okay, come at me, bro. But I'm like, all right, well maybe you're right. And maybe at the end of the day, when I walk those pearly gates, I'm going to get a slap on the wrist, but honest to goodness, I feel so fully called to communicate in the way that I do, because I know that is actually for me and who I find favor with working to win people over to healing and hope in Jesus Christ. And so that's for me, like, yes, to answer your question, like we do have internal language and external question. Your specific question, Davey, was like, okay, well, how do we edit that? And my best thing I could tell you is to sit with, so if you find favor with and are marketing to want to work with people who aren't believers or maybe they once were but have been burned by the church or whatever it is, I want you to sit down with them and say, here is my, people call it like Christianese language, like here is this language. You are my ideal customer though and I want to articulate this in a way that's not this weird bait and switch and inauthentic. Can you help me come up with wording that translates to you? I think the ability to listen and listen well to your ideal customer is so important And people will love that you're asking them that because when is the last time a Christian asked them for their opinion and acknowledged that there has been hurt in their experiences in the past? Hope that was helpful. Just realize I'm using my soapbox voice. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, totally fine. And, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, I do think there is that there's that line that Mm -hmm. is being balanced between I I certainly don't want to come off as being ashamed of the gospel. But at the same time, you know, I think that the model that somebody like Paul lays out where, you know, he's speaking to the Greek people and he notices this structure to an unknown God. And he uses that as a connection point and he meets them on their level in order to share the gospel. But he had been living among them 
and he had sort of to a certain extent earned the right to speak to them that's why i see like that it's not necessarily uh, or prudent maybe to lead with just more like i guess lead with language that is super like religious vocabulary, sure. I guess, is what I'm trying sure. to say. No, as I stumble I exactly here over my words. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And what's interesting is like, as I build relationships, it just seems to happen. People come to me when they are sitting in trauma and they are sitting in the fire. And I'll even like, if I had that type of relationship with them that we've had conversations before, I'll say, all right, two things that help for me, Jesus and therapy. <laughs> and I, I laugh because a lot of times people we've already sat and cried have sat on the mourner's bench with them. And then it's like, okay, well, I just want to be very like transparent with what helped me and share my experience. And that normally helps. And a caveat here is like, I am just so thankful that people, and I think at the end of the day, everyone knows I'm a Christian. I mean, I, it's not like I veer away from that. I'll, I've openly invited people to come hear me preach before. And what was crazy, and I'll never it'll be a career highlight for sure that made me cry, is that hundreds of people showed up across three different services at my old church. And most of them had been burned or hurt by Christians or definitely um, don't share the same beliefs as I do. And I think that if, if you, um, that is because, <laughs> for lots of things. But the reason it made me cry so much is like, they shouldn't even give me the time. There's been so much hurt from Christians in their lives. And I just like for anyone who's listening that might follow me, that is not a believer. I just want to say thank you so much for even opening up your heart to receive anything I say or any of my love as a Christian, because you don't owe me that. You don't owe me that at all. And I just, here's the thing, the last thing I'll say, when I look around at the fruit, the fruit in this world, and who is living most like Jesus and how we are called to live, sadly, sadly, it is normally not the Christians that I see, who's definitely producing a lot of fruit and love and living out fruits of the Spirit are people who wouldn't claim the gospel right now. So yeah, don't be afraid to lean into that customer base and those clients to ask them to help you with language. Yeah, for sure. And I just think being able to, I think having a mission statement, you know, like the ones that you've created for your brand, invite people in, you know, to truth. You are sharing truth with people, but you're sharing it in a way that doesn't uh, cause people to put up walls uh, yeah. right away. You know, uh, and I think that there's so much value in doing that. I know for us, Dorothy Sayers, who was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, I don't think she was part of the Inklings, maybe she was, but she wrote an essay called Why Work, which is, you know, it's too long to go into right now, but I have it in front of me and I like to, I like to read it every once in a while because I just think it's a, such a powerful take on work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, stuff like that, I think has informed our mission statement, even though our mission statement, I would say that ours is that we help people build a brand that books through brand and website design. So, you know, and again, that's probably a little bit of a distinction between a, a value proposition statement and a mission statement. But even that, you know, we got to that through different influences like this. So it is interesting, I think, and something that you have to struggle through mm -hmm. in terms of trying to take some of that internal language and get it into a few sentences that clearly articulates what you do. Yeah. And go for it, guys. Start to dig in. Think of it like a paddleboard. If you guys have ever paddleboard, the first time I got on a paddleboard, I like spent two hours almost drowning in Thailand. Finally, <laughs> they were like, you got to come in or you're going to drown. But I was trying to stand up on the paddleboard and then stick the paddle in the water and move. And 
my friend later explained to me, no, you've got to like sit on the paddleboard, put your feet down and then like gradually get, stick your paddle in the water, like gradually get moving. Right. And then you can gradually stand up and be sure footed and be like sailing off into the wind. And I find like, You've just got to stick your paddle in the water and start somewhere. And I'm a big believer, like your mission statement, your mission in general, your calling in life will become more clear as we work every day on, you know, building momentum and multiplying that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just by, just by working in general, to a certain extent, I think that's why we're here, you know, to love others and to work. So, but anyways, I feel like I'm getting up on my soapbox. So (laughs) I'll take a step back from there. So we've gone through the work of coming up with our mission statement and thinking through the messaging of it. At the end of the day, where should we be sharing this? Oh, I love this question. Everywhere. Okay. (laughs) So I'll tell you, I think it'd be helpful to tell you where we put it as a brand and you can instill these ideas. Your Instagram byline. So most people miss this. Okay. But just go ahead. Once you have something, put it in. I will say mine's changed a couple of times for the Flourish Market. I already noted that. Outside of our shop, we have our clapboard. So I know most of you are service providers. So think about what that looks like for you. Is it the back of your t-shirt? Is it the patch on your backpack? That's your logo. Like what can that look like for you on something physical when people interact with you? We have it up on our website on our header at the top. So when people go to the flourishmark.com, they see it there in one of the header sliders. When they click on our about page, guess what? It's there. And then twice a month, we post on Instagram every day in the squares, twice a month minimum, it's mentioned in a post. And then once a week in Insta stories, it's mentioned there. Either I'm saying it, someone on my team is saying it, or it's written over an image. So we brand this so hard. And it took probably at least a year to build traction on that to actually start hearing our customers say every product has a bigger purpose. So those of you with teams, your team's got to be on the same page. So when people walk into our store, you can envision this as like your client interaction. When people walk into our store, we say, welcome in. They pause. I won't get into the details of what we do next, but basically people have never been in before. We say every product has a bigger purpose. Enjoy browsing around. So it's there. It's also in our email signatures. It's everywhere. And you might think, Emily, I can't talk about this twice on the squares of each month and once a week in Insta stories. I'm here to tell you, challenge yourself to keep saying it because no one's sitting around refreshing your feed, waiting for you to say anything different. You got it. You know what I mean? You guys, it's such a noisy world. You've got to put it everywhere. It's in my bio that you heard Davey introduce me from. Yeah. When I speak on stage, it's everywhere. It's on our business cards as well. Hope those are some helpful examples. (laughs) Oh, 100%. And a big believer in sharing things over and over and over again, because we think, oh, you know, I think we're annoying people by saying the same stuff over again. It's just such a limited amount of your audience is going to hear it in any given place that you share it. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, it's going to take them a number of times to hear it before, you know, like you said, you start hearing it repeated back to you. Along those lines too, read an interesting book recently called The Three Minute Rule, and it's about pitching. But one of the things that this guy goes through in terms of making sure that he has a pitch that's going to be effective is basically a, a game of telephone. So what he'll do is round people up and And he'll say, hey, listen, I want you to call 
five people and I want you to give them this pitch I'm about to give you and then tell the last person to call me. And if it's anything, if it's, if it doesn't sound anything like, you know, what, where it started, he's like, the pitch is too complicated. So, you know, if you have a couple friends that be willing to do that for you, as you, you know, test out your own mission statement, that could be a helpful activity, you know, to determine whether you've nailed it or whether it still requires a little bit of work. Oh, that's good, Davey. That's good stuff. Well, as we end here, one thing that I wanted to ask towards the beginning of the episode, but I know we are here to talk you know, about mission statements and messaging, but I feel like I'd be remiss not to ask, which is, you know, you've worked with so many extraordinary women through the flourish market. Is there anything that you just learned through your work that you'd be willing to share with us? Absolutely. I mean, I learned, <laughs> it's ridiculous, like how much I've learned. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm going to pull from the story of my girl, Emma Bett. Okay. So in addition to having products that are made by women who've just overcome really extraordinary things, we also have a collection of made in the USA clothes to support USA jobs that we, on behalf of that, give a percentage of the sale to a very cool nonprofit program that it equips women to start their own businesses. So we exclusively work in Ethiopia right now. So for example, I love this because we are helping women um, launch coffee shops and restaurants and whatever it is in their local communities. We'd never buy anything from them, right? But they change their whole community's lives. So last September, I went to Ethiopia. I got to take some customers along with me, which was awesome. And we got to go and visit the work of this nonprofit that we fund. And no one has any idea who anyone from America is there because it's just a fundraising arm to equip local leaders with the resources they need to keep like diving into their programs and the good work they're doing. So no one even knew who we were when we were there. I love it that way because local leaders know what's up. I do not know how to inform like any change over there um, because I don't know like what's actually going on in the ground. We just give money towards it. So we were there to see some of the women. We our our customers had helped fund through this program. And there was this woman named Emma Bett and she had gone through the program. And basically the program exists to take, they identify women who are on the edge of life, meaning they live in rural areas and without any intervention, they would be dead and their kids would be dead within six months. So legitimately on the edge of life. And they go through this business training program for a couple of months and they're given seed money, normally like $500 in the U.S. money to 1000 to launch their own businesses. And they don't have to pay it back. And I think there's great ways of doing it across the board, not favoring one or the other. But that's the precipice of this program. And every couple of months they check in. But really, after two years, the women are like up and running and make multiple, do multiple businesses and truly transform not only their lives, but the lives of their community. And so in a bit, when we met her, we we're sitting in her restaurant. And through a translator, she's telling me her story. So she went through the business training program. First of all, it saved her husband's life. He had appendicitis. They couldn't even drive to a doctor. They didn't have any way to pay to get him to a doctor, but literally like saved his life once she started working. But all of her kids, all five of them were working in the fields with her before the business training program, barely making like enough money to get food to scrape by. And so at this point, She had gone through the business training program the year before. And in less than a year, here's what she had done. (laughs) She had all five of her kids in school. So she was afraid to launch her coffee shop. We talk about fear in America. And when I speak about with women entrepreneurs, I'm like, yes, fear is real. It's it's everywhere. But she was afraid, you know, had all the fears that a lot of us do and, and more specific to her situation. But she launched this coffee shop, you know, as a little coffee stand in her rural area of Ethiopia. It did really well. She was able to hire two women from her community to start working there with her. She 
like already had her five kids. She put all five of her kids in school and seven kids kept frequenting her business and street kids. She realized they were all orphans. Long story short, she all basically adopted them got them a house, a safe place to live, put all seven of them in school. Now she's paying for 12 kids to be in school and mothering them. And then she, those businesses were doing so well that she launched her restaurant a few weeks before we were there. So that's where we were sitting and it was bustling and they make popcorn and have hot tea for folks. And she kept having to get up from the interview to like help serve more people because they were like packed and she was apologizing. I was like, no girl, I'm loving this for you. Like live your best <laughs> life. So she had hired a couple of women to work there as well. And then she starts telling the story and the translator is like, are you kidding me? And I could tell he and the social worker were hearing new information because they only go every couple months to check up. And I was like, what in the world? They keep listening and their eyes are lighting up. And I was finally like, what is she saying? And they were like, this is crazy. And I'm like, what? And they're like, in a bet a couple months ago, walked to the red dirt roads in her town and their surrounding towns. And she self-identified 12 women that were on the edge of life, just like she was a year ago. And she's put them through Emma Betts Business School. And she's given them money to start their own businesses. And she held up some, like, she knew I was hearing what she had told them. And so she held up some spices. And I knew she was, like, basically asked me to buy this woman's spices and pointed to the woman across the room. <laughs> and I was like, this is women supporting women. Like, that is amazing. That is amazing. And so I always do this thing where I ask women when I go, like one piece of advice, what do you want me to take back to my friends at home? Like what you've done is incredible. And the way you do life and business is the way that everyone in the world should do life and business. So like what piece of advice do you have? And she held out her hand and said something. And I could tell the translator was just like, yes. And the translator turned around to me and he said, Emily, she said to go and tell them that they can multiply what's in their hand that they can multiply what's in their hand. And I looked and I'm like so convicted because I'm like, how often do I look at her hand? What's in his hand? What's in her hand? I was so convicted because I'm always like, well, if I only had the amount of followers she had, then I could have an impact. If I only had the background that he had, then I could have an impact. If I only had the family Mm. money that she had, then I could have an impact. And I all had forgotten to look at what was in my hand and the skills that God had given me and the relationships I had developed in my business and all the abilities that I had funny and serious and good and hard. And, and I thought, man, that's it. And so I share that story because as you're thinking about your mission statement, it's more a bigger conversation of what's your mission in life. And so I invite you to look in your hand and know what you uniquely have, your experiences, your abilities, and the way you've already been showing up as you look and examine what that statement can look like for you. Well, I think that's the perfect way to wrap that up. A super powerful story. And, you know, it's incredible too. Again, I think just the reminder of, you know, how much we're capable of doing with what we're given, especially looking at a situation where somebody who probably lives in an area that has been given far less, you know? So thank you, Emily, so much for joining us on the podcast. Where can people learn more about you? Where can people learn more about the Flourish Market? Sure, absolutely. I'm going to give you guys one landing page. I know, super annoying. You're probably driving, but it'll be in the show notes, I'm sure. Absolutely. All else spells, you can look me up on Instagram at at mgraysexton, but the page I want you to visit is msexton.com backslash brands that book. What you'll find there is the list of questions that I asked in this podcast interview. So you can like get to journaling. It's going to be a little PDF download for you if you like to print out pretty things. And then I'm going to have one of our videos from the Flourish Market 
that you can see delivers on our bigger mission and talks zero about our products. So it's a one minute video. We rolled it out last about a year and a half ago. And so I want you to see an example of how you just don't put it in an Instagram bio or, you know, on your website, but how this mission statement can really influence other things that you put out into the world. So you'll find that there in all the links to the Flourish Market, our Instagram account, mine, whatever you'd like to creep, I invite you to creep away. And thank you for listening in. I'd love to have you a part of our journey in any way that we can help. Also, uh, you probably could tell I'm pretty real and funny. And I think there's a lack of that on the internet these days. And so I like to share the fails of our business. So if that interests you, follow along. We're all in this together. Awesome. Well, all that information will be in the show notes. And Emily, thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Davey, so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DavianKrista.com.